The fan is better when you're a part of it. Call us at 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount Plus. All right, I just saw something. We want to go here with the 877-337-6666. All right, Fliegelman just alerted me on something that I didn't see and I just saw now, and I got to tell you, it's the two worst, it's my two worst enemies right now involved in the same thing, and and both of them are pissing me off. And let's go. Ready? And it's baseball-related because despite the fact that DeVito – has turned the Giants around, and the Jets won a football game, and both are 5-8 and eight and miraculously still not completely eliminated. And we have reports that Aaron Rodgers may return for the 24th game, which he downplayed a little bit. Who are these reports coming from? We know where they're coming from, you. You're talking about. Anyway, despite that, it's still – it's it. I love baseball. It's, it's half baseball season while we're open here trying to figure out Yamamoto he's going to sign before Christmas. I'm ready to go. And just two hours ago – or at least it was reported two, three hours ago. Randy Arozarena, who I ra- who I yelled about before with the... All right, I'm sorry. That people were noticing three hours ago that Randy Arozarena on his Instagram had put out a picture of him and Shohei Otani during the World Baseball Classic last year. So out of nowhere... People have taken note, I guess, three hours ago, whenever Randy Rosarena on his Instagram posted a picture of him and Shohei Otani standing next to each other. Now, Randy Rosarena, obviously the star of the Tampa Bay Rays, and I've yelled about this before. I have no idea why they would put him on the market. None whatsoever. They also have Tyler Glass now on the market, who I understand a little bit more, injury-prone pitcher, They've done a really great job at developing pitching. They could probably get a lot for him. He's not that long under control. You'd have to pay him a lot, and he's injury-prone. At least that one kind of makes sense to me. Randy Arozarena, who's a couple of years still under control, makes no sense to me. So I've I've gone on about that, about this ridiculous franchise. Who's, I know how smart they are and how good they've been, but they give their fans nobody to rally behind, and you can't tell me you're going to benefit from trading a guy like Randy Arozarena. Like, there's just no benefit from it other than I I have no idea what you're thinking. Like, it just pisses me off that a Major League Baseball team would turn and trade someone with control who's as good as he is instead of trying to add to make sure that team can win. But let me just tell you right now. If the Tampa Bay Rays trade Randy Arozarena and Glass now, who has already been reported as a major target target of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And now that Randy Rosarena is posting pictures of him and Shohei Otani, complete speculation, 100% agree, complete speculation. He could just be doing it because he's, he's the, that Shohei Otani signed the contract and he's the talk of the town, and maybe he's looking you know, for a contract. Who knows? Maybe he just likes the picture. I have no idea. But if there is any thought, to now the Dodgers, who are in on everybody, right? They signed Otani, and it seems like Otani is paying them. 
40 plus, you know, 45, 46 million dollars on the payroll, 2 million dollars in actual money over the next 10 10 years, 2 million dollars a year, 68 million after that a year for 10 years. What they're going to be able to do with that money in the meantime, like it just seems like what was initially reported as a 10-year, $700 million, and just like, wow, what did the Dodgers just do, is actually a contract that is actually favorable to the Dodgers. Saves them money and saves Otani tax dollars, and somehow it works for both. And it's ridiculous, and it shouldn't be allowed. And because of that, now they're in on Yamamoto. And yeah, that's part of it, that I want Yamamoto, and I didn't think the Dodgers would be in on it after getting Otani. I knew that if he went to Toronto, sure, Dodgers would be trying their damnedest to go get a, make a big splash, and Yamamoto would have been a major target. I didn't expect them to be able to do both. And now not only are they doing both, but they're in the market for, or trying to do both, but they're in the market for Yamamoto, they're in the market for Hayter in the back end of the bullpen, and now they're in the market for trading for another starting pitcher in Tyler Glass now, and if they get if the, if the Rays give them and allow them to get in one offseason Shohei Otani, Yamamoto, and then trade him Glass now and a Rosarena, I think that I think it's it's well within my right and fair to request that the Tampa Bay Rays be disbanded. I honestly think that's fair. I think they should no longer be allowed to exist. If you are going to tell me this small market team that probably, you know, is as maybe not as big of a contingent because they actually take this money and do things with it, but part of the contingent that probably p- complains come collective bargaining time about the haves and the have-nots and we don't have many money and we don't need blah, blah, blah. If you are going to allow the Dodgers to take your best players in return for prospects on the same year they signed a contract that you allowed to be part of the negotiation and allowed to be in this collective bargaining agreement because you figure it might help small market teams be able to pay for big stars. If you allow the Dodgers to get all these players, shame on you. I'm telling you right now. You think I hate the Rays now? And I don't even care. The Dodgers are in the opposite league on the opposite coast. I still don't like it. I still don't like it. Who are these Dodgers and who do they think they are? My God. Otani, Yamamoto, Hater. Glass now, a Rosarena. Can you imagine that lineup? Can you imagine the lineup of Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Shohei Otani, Randy Rosarena? And then the rotation of Otani, right? And Muncie is still there, and some of the different guys they have there. Will Smith is a good hitting catcher. Lux is coming back. Yeah, Lux will be back from injury. He's going to have to play shortstop. But the back end of the the lineup isn't as dangerous. But that the fully that front loaded first five is crazy. And then you add to the rotation Yamamoto, Glass now, and then eventually Otani. And then you put Hader in the back end of the bullpen. Like, and you know what? I don't care. They'll still lose in the postseason. But my God. Randy Rosarena better just like that picture and how he looks in it. Because if if he has wind that he's looking to be traded to the Dodgers, I it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And I'm not kidding. Tampa Bay should no longer be allowed to exist. I don't care how smart they are. I don't care. 
You're gonna you're just gonna give those players to the Oh my god. Makes me makes me angry. You want the bright side? There's actually maybe two. Two points to this that are bright side? Okay. One, uh, if they get glass now as part of this deal, don't you think it maybe takes him out on Yamamoto? I don't know. No. Yamamoto's just money. That's no. fair. Then here's the definite one. You don't have to worry about the Rays in the division. I don't know about that. I don't know. That's At how least for smart a year. they are. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I don't care, though. It's not good for baseball. Like I'm just I'm I mean I'm on some level like even with this uh, Yama uh, with the Otani contract I know that there's a good chance that it could benefit the Yankees if it starts to go into this direction and that they'd be willing to pony up big money and defer it I don't know like it could benefit the Yankees and the, and we're seeing it benefiting the Dodgers makes me think it could benefit the Mets the Red Sox the Yankees uh, you know the Dodgers all the teams the Giants maybe all the teams willing to spend some money that's who it's going to benefit but I don't care. It's bad for baseball, this contract. It's stupid. It's stupid. I, I, I'd i like to think I would still be saying the same thing. If we woke up yesterday and Otani signed with the Yankees for $800 million and it was all deferred and it ended up only being a 45-hit uh, salary cap, I mean, I'd be happy that they got this great player, but I'd like to think I'd be fair and go, well, this is BS. I mean, how are they getting away with this? But, I mean... It's just uh, the Dodgers are just unbelievable. What they, what this was such a uh, a smart but dirty move, and now they're in on it on Yamamoto. And yeah, that's probably where most of my bitterness is coming from. I'm I'm open to that. Like it makes no sense to me that now they're in on Yamamoto too. It pisses me off. It should be a Yankees Met thing. Now the Dodgers come in. I guess he was a lifelong Dodger fan. But here's the question, Yamamoto. Here's what you need to ask yourself if you're listening to me out on the West Coast at only mid, at only 12, 17 in the morning on the Odyssey app, the wonderful, great, never delayed, never playing a million commercials when you know that can't be how long the break is, the wonderful Odyssey app that never fails. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to play second fiddle to Shohei Otani? Do you? You want to go to L.A. and be a footnote in their offseason? Do you want to be the reason why everybody thinks the Otani deal is nonsense? Because that's what it will be. It will be, wow, what a great pitcher they got, 25 years old. Yeah, but it will also be, wow, they were able to pull off this Otani deal and get Yamamoto. You're the end. You're the end. And I know in Yamasoto. With the Yankees, you think you'll be the end? What came first, Yama or Soto? Let me ask you that. The Yama comes first. You are the big free agent. You will not have your introductory press conference done over Zoom. You will be there with all the pomp and circumstance, everybody handing you flowers. You're going to put on those Yankee pinstripes, and you are going to be the crown jewel of the offseason because you are going to be here for sure. You're not going to answer questions like, well, while I'm here, or... You know who you can talk to if you want to extend me. You're going to be the Yankee guy. You're the crown jewel of the offseason. You're what makes the evil empire back to being the evil empire. Or you can go be a Dodger. Go sign where Yama, where Otani's deal is the talk of the town and that you were just only able to be there because of that contract. I thought you wanted the juice. 
I thought you wanted the excitement. I thought you want to be a star. This is where it's done. This is where winning means everything. You want to, you want to go there where the, the Dodger fan leaves in the sixth inning to avoid traffic? Is that where you want to be? Huh? No. We want to be in the Bronx where we know we can't get in the car until an hour after the game and we don't want to be sitting in there. That's what you want. You want to bring a championship to this deprived fan base that hasn't won one since 2009. You want to be the face of that. You want to be on that pitcher's mound, Game 7 of the World Series in Yankee Stadium, not watching Shohei Otani do it. Let's go. Let's go. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you. Get back to the DeVito stuff and how I just... I can't, I can't understand how everyone is so quick to suddenly want to have DeVito as the answer for the New York Giants. We have no time to savor it. Let's just savor what we saw. Let's enjoy the idea that he might be good next week, and let's enjoy the idea that Giants' season's alive. Let's not focus on the idea that he could be this or he could be that. He could be the next Tom Brady, the next Brock Purdy. I don't want to focus on that. I don't know that. In fact, I don't think that. Let's just focus on what we know. What we know is he played a hell of a game on Monday night, and the Giants at 5-8 and eight are miraculously still in it, and they're going to play a, a meaningful and winnable game in New Orleans on, Monday, on Sunday afternoon. That's what I know. Let's focus on that. Let's enjoy that. Your official station to talk Jets. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. All right. Everybody knows Brenda Lee rocking around the Christmas tree. I have a little bit of a, a Christmas hot take on our hot take Christmas advent calendar, but Fliegelman just said something to me. We were talking about this song the other day. This is not the, the take just yet. We're going to get into it in a second here, but it, lead, it leads us into it. Uh, someone called us the other day, and I checked on it. It's 100% t- true. That song, Brenda Lee's version of Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, is the number one song in the country. Billboard's Top 100, number one song, Brenda Lee. From what I understand, is the first time it has been number one in the country. So why all of a sudden it's number one in the country, I don't know. It's one of the more popular songs Obviously, we've all heard it a million times every single Christmas, so I don't know what made it special this Christmas season that it's number one, but that's not why we played it. We wanted you to hear it. You just heard it again in case it's not imprinted in your mind, which it should be. Do you know how, do you want to take a guess? And I guess you can't because you're just listening on the radio, but do you have any idea how old Brenda Lee is when she recorded that song and sings that song? If I had to guess, I would say. Probably in her mid thirties, somewhere around there. Like it's it's definitely a deeper. Do you have it one more time? Just did you get rid of it already? Okay, sorry. All right, because we have other things planned. But it. Okay. Okay. 
All right, so I would say at least late 20s, 30s to 50s would be my guess, somewhere around there. Brenda Lee, as Michael Fliegelman just told me, was 13 years old when she recorded that song. 13. That is the voice of a 13-year-old girl. How is that possible? He said, when did he said, did it blow your mind when you found that out? I said, you just told me now. And it did. It blew my mind. How is that a how is that the voice of a 13-year-old girl? That is a deep, velvety, experienced singer. Like it sounds like she's sounds like, like Judy Garland in The no, Wizard of Oz. Yeah, and I know exactly. she's young in that, but not 13. I could, see, I, I could see her recording it like Julie Garland with a, a glass of scotch and a cigarette. Like 13 years old. That is some set of pipes that I'm just, I'm watching. I guess she did it a couple years ago. She redid it or something. Maybe that's why it's become popular. I don't know. The video says a month ago. Then there's a video that says five the years ago. The video I played, the music video, this, yeah. recorded a couple years ago. Right, okay. It's the original recording of the song. No, but she's I got you. I got it. you. I got you. And she's like an old woman in a red, older woman in a red dress. And like there's a family video. Okay, I see it. I mean, it seems more likely that, that she sounds like that correct. now than at 13. 13 years old. That is unbelievable. That blew my mind. I had to tell you as soon as I heard that. I, and I have a, a Christmas music take. That's our advent calendar. So, amazingly enough, Brenda Lee, which now she has the number one song. is I know that video. Is Brenda still with us? I'm assuming she is. Yeah. Brenda Lee, 13 years old when she recorded that song. and She is, just turned 79 she on She just Monday. turned 79. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, the song had to be recorded 13 years old. In 1958. Unbelievable. That is so crazy to me. I, can't, I, I cannot wait. Like, I want to fast forward time just so I can tell my wife this. I'm so wanna, glad you I had the call, same reaction because I've been in shambles her, for like I the last call, day. I wish I, I wish I had the nerve. She'd kill me. I, I want to call her right now and wake her up in a dead sleep and tell her that Brenda Lee was 13 years old when she recorded that song. That's a good way for you to be dead by Christmas. Yeah. She's like, what? Brenda Lee, honey, thir- listen to this. How old would you think she is? Amazing. You got to get in a moment like you're in the car, you're playing it for her, and you turn yeah. and you say, you know how old she was? Yeah. I'm not going to wait that long. I'm telling her as soon as I get home. That's mind-boggling to me. Mind-boggling. All right, so since we were going to do something, this is our Christmas advent calendar. Today is December 13th. So for December 13th, a little bit of a... A music theme. We were just talking about Brenda Lee, but a uh, a Christmas take from McMonagall on our Christmas Advent calendar. All right, this is from my favorite, uh, one of my favorite Hollywood movies, Home Alone. All right, now that we've opened the Advent calendar door and we've eaten our piece of chocolate, it was delicious. I just want to say this about a long-standing argument I know I've had for many years with people, both in my family, my friends. It's been a long-standing argument because one of my favorite holiday songs is Please Come Home for Christmas. And there are two very famous versions of this song, one by Bon Jovi and one by Don Henley. And in my opinion, there is not even, it's not even close which version is better? And I think I'm in the minority. 
I think most people prefer the other one. But there is no doubt that the greatest version of Please Come Home for Christmas is this song right here. Bells will be ringing. Oh, Bon Jovi, I love it. Especially Tommy Cutlets today in the New Jersey Bon Jovi. This blows the Don Henley version out of the water. So many people. What are you talking about? I only know. People will say they don't even know Bon Jovi has the version. Some people. They love the Don Henley version. This one, it's it's the music video with Cindy Crawford in it and the log cabin. What are you people, nuts? This is the only version of Please Come Home for Christmas. And I'll even put this up against Michael Buble, who I think has the best Christmas album of all time. Michael Buble's vo- velvety voice. You can't beat Bon Jovi's Please Come Home for Christmas. It is one of, if not the greatest Christmas song ever. And it's a memorable video. It's a beautiful, beautiful Cindy Crawford in the log cabin. Who hasn't envisioned being in a log cabin with Cindy Crawford sipping a Pepsi? Everybody has. But only Bon Jovi got to do it. And this song is by far better than Don Henley. He's in the desert, though. It looks like, again, a T-shirt. Tommy Cutlets would never betray New Jersey <laughs> like that. Is he in the desert? I don't remember the desert. I remember the log. It's a log cabin, isn't it, or something like that? Or? Wherever it is, it looks warm. He's in a T-shirt or oh, okay. a tank yeah, top the yeah. whole time. Oh, he is. He's in a tank top. Yeah. So that's it for me. That's that's today's Christmas uh, take for McMonagle on our advent calendar. We'll do it every day leading up until Christmas. I I I love that song. And people will tell you Don Henley's version is better. It is not. And today to celebrate Brenda Lee and her rocking around the Christmas tree at 13 years old. Amazing. We will also recognize the great Bon Jovi. The great, great Bon Jovi and the great holiday classic. Please come home for Christmas. And it's way better. Way better than Don Henley's version. Who knows what it'll be tomorrow? I have so many Christmas takes. We all do. On our favorite songs, our favorite things to do. Did I tell you about... I didn't tell you what happened when I went to the school and did the uh, the um, the reindeer food. So if you hadn't heard this, this is how I spent my Friday last week. Instead of sleeping, which is what I should have been doing, I had to go to my son's first grade class. And we they have this thing where they do family... A family tradition, your a family holiday tradition, and a parent will go in and talk about the tradition and do it with the kids, whatever it is. So uh, my son just told me uh, they came. Uh, the 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 parent who came in today makes Christmas tree looking Christmas tree ornaments out of pine cones. They paint them green. They put a little stand on it. They make it look like a Christmas tree for a Christmas tree ornament. So that's the kids got to make pine cone Christmas trees. What did I do, you ask? I went there and made reindeer food. And if you're unaware of what reindeer food is, you know, it's not lazy cutting up carrots and throwing it outside. No, we get oats, we get sprinkles, and we get glitter, and we throw it in a bag with a little poem that my wife printed out that we don't really say. But I made bags for 20 kids, and I sat there and put scoops of sprinkles and scoops of oats and little bags and tied them off and gave all of them reindeer food that you can sprinkle on your front lawn, and the glitter is so the moonlight will glitter off of it so the reindeer can see that they have some food left for them. And you throw that out and sprinkle it on the front lawn right before you go to bed on Christmas Eve 
to have the to entice the reindeer to come to your house. Not that Santa would miss it anyway. I mean, but that's what I did. So I went there. I read a book. I read a Home Alone book, which was the. I had a funny moment reading the Home Home Alone book. So I'm reading the Home Alone book to these kids, right after I've made them all uh, oatmeal reindeer food. And I'm reading the book, and it's a, a cartoon, you know, lighter version, obviously, of Home Alone. And so I'm reading it. And the last scene, Kevin comes downstairs. Is anybody there? Right? And so there's, like, a picture of the living room. And he's like, is anyone home? And then all of a sudden, Kevin's mom says, blah, blah, blah. You know, she comes home, and then everyone walks through the door. You know, the end of, uh, the end of Home Alone. And all of a sudden, this kid, loud, I mean, he yells it. All of a sudden, he just goes, wait a minute. And I'm like, I'm, what? He goes, something's wrong here. And I'm like, I'm like, what I do? I look to the teacher. I'm like, what I do? And he goes, you see that picture of the living room? And I'm like, yeah. There's only four stockings. There's six people in this family. <laughs> I'm like, wow, you picked that up, did you? That's what you had to scream and interrupt me and scare me like I did. There's something wrong here. I'm like, what I do? There's four stockings in that picture, but there's six people in that family. I was like, like, you pick that up quick. Nothing gets by you. Kevin was lazy and didn't hang enough stockings. I don't know what to tell you. Just enjoy your oatmeal, all right? Don't eat it. Save it for the reindeer. 877-337-6666. Real quick on the, the Christmas stuff, uh, James in the Bronx. What's up, James? Come on, man. You want to compare that bubblegum rockers version to the Eagles? I ain't even an Eagle fan. Come on, man. Are you serious? Oh, please come home for Christmas. And first of all, I think it's just a Don Henley song, not an Eagles song. But That's true. That's but true. yes, no, Bon Jovi's version is way better. No, it's not. Way it's better. Version better. Than the, Eagles version. the original was better than both of them. That's fine. But th- those two, I think they came out right around the same time or close to it. And it's kind of been like a, it's kind of, I've had the argument with a lot of people. And you know what? I understand, James, I've come across a lot of people like you. I've come across a lot of incorrect, like me, like a, a lot of what? incorrect people who don't have the correct opinion <laughs> on this argument. I've come across He's a lot a of you. He's a bubblegum rocker, man. Hey, a bubble. Bubblegum. Bubble now you're now rocker, you're knocking bro. Bon Jovi. I like him, but he's a bubblegum rocker. Oh Let's my God! Stop please. it! Oh please! please. Oh please! Oh come on, please! Dude. How old oh come on! Nine? And come the on. and the and the Eagles are a rock band known for their harmonies. Cut it out, okay? I'm not Stop even it! A big Eagles fan, Stop but that it! That version is better. No, it's not. Nice. No, it's not. You're even a big Eagles fan. No, you're I don't care if like you're not a big Eagles fan. First of all, you're not. I mean, come on. Go listen to Dirty Laundry or something. I don't want to tell you. Bubblegum rocker. Bon Jovi's a bubblegum rocker. Get get the hell out of here. I was just listening to uh, Blaze of Glory on the way in. You want to tell me Blaze of Glory is a bubblegum song? Get the hell out of here. He's 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 a bubblegum rocker. All right, so he's a little bit of an A's hairband. Go listen to Slippery When Wet. All right, it's one of the great albums in rock history. Bon Jovi's the man. Oh, I got to tell my buddy Mike. That that I that Bon Jovi was called a bubblegum rocker on my show. He's gonna lose it. He's gonna lose it. And that version is way better. Don Henley's version is boring. Bon Jovi's version is much much better. And it's because I, I only mention it because it's they kind of came out at the same time, and for whatever reason, it's almost like 
for me, it's like the argument of Wyatt Earp against Tombstone. Everybody likes Tombstone better. Tombstone sucks. That movie sucks. Uh, everybody loves it. Tombstone stinks. And so does Don Henley's version of Please Come Home for Christmas. Bon Jovi's way better. And it was right around the time, I think, when Bon Jovi was, the, was like at the peak. For me, peak Bon Jovi, I grew obviously, I understand Slippery When Wet, um, you know, a, a lot of the hits. But for me, when he came out, when the early 90s, was it 94, and he comes out with the Crossroads Greatest Hits album, and it includes Always as like the single of that album. They added the new song, Always. That's like, for me, peak Bon Jovi. That's when I grew up. That's when Bon Jovi hit. And I think it's similar. I, you know, it's just a better version. Love that song. Sorry, there's no way, Don Henley, please. Jack and Sleepy Hollow, what's up, Jack? Hey, uh, just a little postscript on your uh, Brenda Lee. Okay. That song, that song makes her the oldest person ever to have a number one song. However, Brenda Lee not only is the oldest person ever to have a number one song, Brenda, Brenda Lee is the youngest person ever to have had a number one song. She had a number one song when she was 15 years old. What num What was her number one song? I, I don't know, but you guys can look it up. Okay, so she had a number one hit at 15, and now even though she recorded it at 13, technically now she's 79 when she has a exactly. number one hit. So she's exactly. she she's the youngest person to have a number one hit, and she's the oldest person to have a number Exactly. Everybody went wild. Oh, Brenda Lee. And, uh, I'm sorry. That's Brenda Lee. I'm sorry. So sorry. I didn't know that was her. There you go. And what, she's 15 years old. Play that song right now. Play that song right now. I'm right, waiting for a YouTube ad. She's so here's, 15. Here's, the, the woman, and I, I should have known. I probably did in some deep corners of my mind. This woman is 50. This girl is 15 years old singing this song? Yep. All right, I'm going to let you go. What is she sorry for? Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. You know what? So sorry. I can buy it even a little bit more than uh, not, uh, around the clock. Uh, I mean, she's it's crazy. This, like many songs, makes me think of Steve Summers. Uh, yeah, countless bits, right? Right. How many different bits? Mm. Oh, man. Like you do it on a Bonilla day. Should, should have never signed that contract. What else? Mm. Is there an A-Rod oh, one? What's that? Might be an A-Rod one. Oh, an A-Rod one? Yeah, probably. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, right. When he apologized for when him and his cousin, you know, one dumber than the next, his cousin Yuri. Hmm. What should we do, Bob. You go to Bob Euser. I would play the I'm Sorry song. Or him and Paul would come up. There was nothing worse. There was nothing worse than getting ready to do a show with Steve Summers, who I produced with for, I don't know, maybe five, six years, I guess I was with Steve. Um, you'd be a half hour, 45 minutes to showtime. He would walk into the newsroom just to get a cup of coffee and hang, and Bob would put something in his ear and then suddenly the whole, then I'm scrambling to do a piece. I wanted to wring Bob's neck. I'm like, Bob, stop giving him. I Go back there and tell him as soon as you get in. We're, we're 20 minutes to showtime, and I don't know if you know Steve. He's not really great on, on the run here. 
Also, you might be like back when you were doing Mets, and I had the same thing when Bob gave him an idea late, yeah. like running a Yankee game. It's like we don't have time for this. Right? Yeah, I know. I love you, Bob. But I know. Stop putting ideas us. in his head, and you know everything he says, everything you say, he's going to love and he's going to want to do it. Hmm. Well, you think so? Hmm. Chris, can you find that Brenda Lee song? I'm sorry. We had once with uh, Bob told them it was when the Mets traded for Jay Bruce. Yeah. Bob told them in one of the Die Hard trailers. I don't remember which one. And now it's his trailer, <laughs> yeah. not the movie. Yeah. You know, they previewed it as Bruce on the loose for Bruce Willis. Oh my so I God. had to go and try to find which <laughs> Die Hard trailer this was. <laughs> Figured it's not the first because he wasn't well known yeah, back then. Yeah, Tried yeah, to, yeah, wasn't yeah, to. Yeah. It was Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> Bruce on and the then build loose. a piece around it. And then build a piece around it. Sure, of course. You have 39 minutes right. during Yankees post. The other one I remember with A-Rod was the pins and needles. Pins and needles, needles and pins. We used to have to put that song with things. Oh, my God. But, yes, I'm sorry it does remind me a little bit of Steve Summers. But that is some voice for a 15-year-old. And rocking around the Christmas tree, there's even it's even deeper. I could hear the high-pitchedness of, you know, you expect the young girl's voice to not be so deep and and smooth. But, man, I had no idea she was so young. I had no idea the woman singing I'm Sorry that we've all heard a million times on a million different things. For some reason, like a, a commercial with like a dog comes to mind. Where like a dog is giving you the sad dog face or something and there's like the I'm Sorry singing. I don't know. But whatever. We've all heard it a million times. She's 15 years old singing that song? That's crazy. Like you said, though, I can buy that more in the 13. So I don't I. know if it's the sound quality is better, but yeah. with the high voice, it makes a little more sense. Yeah, the I'm sorry kicked in, and it wasn't as sultry and deep and and kind of, you know, it just felt different than rocking around the Christmas tree. But even that, I mean, incredible singer for that young. Incredible singer. Who knew? But yes, I will die on that hill. I don't care. Bon Jovi's version is way better. Bon Jovi's version is way better than Don Henley's version of Please Come Home for Christmas. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you. Bubblegum. 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 I can't, I can't get over that. I'm having a tough time with this. I'm not the biggest Bon Jovi guy by all means. But I don't view him as a bubblegum rocker. Do you guys view Bon Jovi as a bubblegum rocker? He's not like an 80s... Air, uh, you know, hair band, you know, nonsense kind of music. I mean, yeah, he's got some hits. I actually heard Ackerman. I got to give Ackerman credit. I heard Ackerman today give one of the better, you know, lines in an update I've heard where he mentioned, uh, you know, Tom used to work on the docks, obviously, as the opening to the Living on a Prayer. And Act today talking about Tommy uh, Cutlets, obviously, Tommy DeVito, the Jersey Connection, Bon Jovi. I forget the exact line, but it was pretty much Tommy doing something as opposed to living. Oh, yeah, Tommy's, Tommy's you know, living on a victory instead of living on a prayer or something like that. And it was just, it, it worked. It was very well done from Ackerman today. A little Bon Jovi reference earlier in the day. And today, I'll defend that song forever. Cindy Crawford in the video, way better than Don Henley. 877-337-6666. Eh, we can have fun with Christmas, but we'll get back to the real sports stuff when we get back. Tommy DeVito. Slow down, everyone. We don't have to figure out the future of the Giants today. And Yamamoto will be a Yankee. And I don't care if I don't care if Soto was at Yankee Stadium on Zoom talking about whether it's just this year or whatever. He is going to be a Yankee long term. I'm convinced of it. 
Call us, 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. I'm already getting it on Twitter. People are nuts. Emily's version is, is just not better. I knew I, this is, it seems silly like to do it as a topic, but I'm telling you, I've had this argument forever. I've always had this argument. Bon Jovi's version is just better. I've wanted to say this for a long time. You ever just feel something in your heart that you just need to get off your chest? You need to just tell the world. This is it for me. Bon Jovi's Please Come Home for Christmas version is just flat out better. Jeff in Colorado. What's up, Jeff? You're on the fan. What's up? How you doing? Good. How are you, bud? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Uh, as far as please come home for uh, Christmas, I think we should say please come home, Richie Sambora, because uh, I wish that he would uh, get back together with uh, with Bon Jovi because, uh, you know, that's uh, you were talking about Crossroads and, and all that. Uh, yeah. you know, I grew up on stuff. I mean, that's phenomenal. Yes. No, I, I grew up on that, too, man. That was uh, that that album with all the hits. And then the I still remember, like, in the car – with like my friend's parents blasting Bon Jovi on the way to a concert. Like we we love Bon Jovi, me and my buddy Mike. So yeah, Crossroads, um, the video for Always was was popular. Like it's I, I I feel bad for today's generation because I feel like the music video used to be such. A, I remember the songs because of the music video. Like yeah, a, a sure. lot of the time, like it's no it's no longer like that. Like I heard, I was driving in the car the other day and REM's Everybody Hurts came on. And I mm-hmm. and, and I just immediately envisioned people walking through traffic and, and walking on the cars like the video and instantly hits. Like it's 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 not the same anymore, man. It sucks. No, and, and you had to wait for things to come on. I mean you can go on Spotify or whatever it is now and, and right. listen to it. You had to wait for something to, to come on and maybe they played it, you know, once an hour, once every two hours right. or, or whatever. Right, and that video with R- uh, REM is off topic. That's phenomenal with everybody walking from their cars. And, yeah, uh, remember that one? I just it came on the radio and like instantly. I was in my car and I just instantly remember <laughs> that video of all the people just walking on the cars and walking through traffic to everybody hurts. But just like all the videos, I mean, always had it was like the relationship between the, that couple and he. You know, I think he's cheating or something. Like you remember the videos so so yeah, well, everything crazy. from the early early nineties, all the Pearl Jam stuff, all the all yeah that stuff. yeah. Um, I wanted to comment, you know, on, on the Mets in, in particular. And, you know, I personally don't really have an issue, and I've always been a guy, you know, that's big on, on prospects. I don't really have an issue with the direction that uh, King Cohen, is, as you like to call him, is, is going at this point. Um, in terms of really going about this methodical way, trying to build a consistent pipeline of prospects to win in the long run. Um, and, and, you know, he really has turned around, you know, the farm system. And, and I think that is the, the long-term solution the real question in my mind is not necessarily Yamamoto because, uh, you know, he's got a million suitors at this point, and I think Cohen will make the, the highest offer, so it's a question of where he wants to go. I think the real question is what happened with Alonzo. He's already here, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and what, what's going to happen, I think he's likely to get to free agency because I don't, I don't think that, uh, you know, Boris is going let it, to let it happen any other way, um, and are they going to let him, you know, get away? Um, and you keep seeing, you know, these, these 10 year, 13 year deals, you know, whatever it is. And most of the time they don't work out in the end. We know that the statistics right. on them sure. are, are not good. So, you know, you know, you're, you're paying on the back end for, for these years that, you know, uh, maybe somebody drops off of course. production. That's almost but every they, contract. Right. But if they, if they, if they wind up letting him go, 
I think that's a that that's a major major mistake. And the other comment I want to make is it, it's come up a few times. They never should have let Justin Turner go. And I think he was just something that slipped your mind earlier in the program. You said that uh, they traded Turner. They let him walk away. Right. You know, did I say trade? I, I yeah. yeah they let him trade, walk. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. They let him you walk know, away. Right. Yep. So, and they, they let, let him walk away. And the story at that time was Turner was scheduled to make seven hundred or seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. He wanted to raise to a million, and Sandy wouldn't do it. Right. And then he goes to and then he goes to Los Angeles, and you know we we know the story from there. Right. But if you look at his production, you know even last year, yeah, it was pretty good with the Red Sox. Absolutely, he's still absolutely a viable option. Yeah. He's somebody that can fill in basically all over the diamond. And I'm not necessarily saying he's your your solution but he is somebody that can bring a lot to the team and if you if you don't you know at least try for somebody like that at this point Mm -hmm. that i do have a problem with because i'm I'm not okay with just throwing the season away and one other quick comment you say you mentioned on on a rosarina and and all that other kind of stuff i'm wondering what's going to happen with the next cba because you just wonder with a lot of these things and you talk about competitive balance and the, and the Cohen tax and all these other kinds of things. It's not all Steve Cohen's fault. That's absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, when are we going to defer things to the next century? That That's a little silly. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I'm not saying it's Steve Cohen's fault necessarily. I'm just saying if this is something that's open to him, that I, I think that he should have been on top of it. I think the idea. I, no, no, no doubt. Yeah. He, 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 and, and, and who's to say necessarily that he wasn't? It seems. The well, it's, no, it's, it sounds like he wasn't. wasn't. It sounds like he took the idea. And thanks, I'm up against the top of the hour, Jeff. Thank you for the call. It sounds like he took the idea of them not contacting him as a way, like, hey, I'm Steve Cohen. We know exactly who I am inside the landscape of baseball. I'm the richest owner in the sport. And to not even want to include me in it to help raise your price tag with the teams you want to go to says. Everything I need to know that you don't even you, you're comfortable what numbers you're going to get. You don't even need me inside the negotiation. And so you clearly have no interest in me. So why bother? And that's how he took it. Instead of saying instead of getting wind that they're offering this type of contract where you could be deferring all this money. Like if you think about it and look at it, it's a contract for roughly the same as the Mike Trout contract. Like, that's what they're saying. I don't know how it works. I'm I'm still under the impression he gets all $700 million, But it, it works out where in real money uh, and the way they can offset it or however the case may be, it's only going to cost the Dodgers $480 million or somewhere around there. And so if that's the case, like, I, I think Steve Cohen would have signed him to a $600 million contract, just $600 million without deferring. I think he would have been open to doing that. That's how good Otani is, and that's how much money he has. So if he got wind that all these teams, and that's the parent thing, that the the Giants got offered this, like the, the Blue Jays were offered this contract. If he was getting wind that this was something they were offering, and he could do the math, I'm sure he can do the math very well, why not blow him out of the water with something? Go go say, I'll give you 10 years, $900 million if we're going to defer you know, 88 of that over, you know, if we're gonna, I'm going to pay you two million a year for the next ten, and then I'm going to pay you eighty-eight a million, eighty-eight million a year after that, and it's going to offset, offset, and be somewhere around five, six hundred million. Why not? Why not? He should have been on. He should have made a phone call. He should have done something. He should have proposed something. He should have just sat back and said, "Well, they didn't call me," and I'm not even saying that's a good deal. I understand, but he's Steve Cohen. Go try and do something. This why be the richest owner in baseball if you're not going to attempt to get a generational player like this. This is the greatest baseball player who's ever lived. That's what he is. No one's ever played baseball at the level he played baseball the last two years. No one ever. 
No one's ever pitched and hit at the combination this guy has done. It's never been seen before. And you just go, well, he didn't call me. That's not the problem, buddy. I, I, I don't understand it. I don't. And to your, your point about Justin Turner, yeah. I think he's a, a viable option. He played 146 games last year. I think he only played, he was mainly the DH. He played like seven games at third base. So could he up that a little bit a year later? Probably not. He played about 40 games at first base. He does play all over the diamond a little bit, but he would be mainly the DH, maybe help a little bit at third base. But he's still last year, 800 OPS guy. Hit 23 home runs, drove in 96 RBIs for the Red Sox, hit 276, OPS of 800. That is a very useful player and someone who could fit right in line with what the, the Mets could use. 